It would be great uh, to keep your Bible open, uh, just to follow uh, as we go through our passage today. Uh, But let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, we do thank you that we can gather together as brothers and sisters. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. And I pray wherever we're up to today, uh, whether we're Christian, not a Christian, follow you or not, Lord, that you speak to us and convict us of the things that we need to hear. Amen. Have you ever been in the situation where you have felt truly and profoundly abandoned? Where you are just overwhelmed by the people who hate you? Uh, Or events of life which are completely outside of your control just engulf you? And in that moment of desperation, you you look around uh, for those friends uh, who will support you in it, only to find that they're not there. In fact, perhaps uh, sometimes even worse to find that they are standing amongst your accusers. Uh, There's a song uh, by a lady called Kate Miller-Heike. You've probably never heard of her. Uh, But uh, there's a verse that I think you'll resonate with in one of her songs. And it says this. It was after school in the afternoon. The corridors were crowded as we came out of the rooms. Three guys I knew pushed him into the cement, threw away his bag and said he had no friends. He yelled that he did and he looked around, tried getting up, but they pushed him on down. That's when he saw me, called out my name and I turned my back and just walked away. Yeah, I turned my back and just walked away. For some are here today, Uh, That type of experience wasn't one afternoon at school, it was every afternoon at school. Uh, Perhaps uh, it's that feeling in your family uh, and your home life, or perhaps your marriage, uh, or perhaps your work. Uh, But you can just feel that sense of isolation in the world. And if you get that sort of appreciation, that emotional appreciation then it's perhaps a little bit of a taste of what Jesus is feeling in these moments and these hours before he goes to the cross. So there are many moments in Luke where we see the power and the majesty and the godness of Jesus. You know, like when uh, Jesus heals the paralyzed man in Luke 5 or when he stands up and calms a storm. Or he enters the temple and drives out the moneylenders. Yeah, they're all pictures of Jesus' power. Yeah, you can imagine his authority in that moment. But in this moment, and perhaps more than any other in Luke's account, we feel his humanity. And we feel his vulnerability and his profound anguish as he confronts what is about to happen. So to place our passage uh, for the day in context, uh, Jesus has been in Jerusalem. Uh, He has just shared a Passover meal with his disciples as they gathered together to remember God's justice and his mercy to Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. And so as they killed a Passover lamb, 
as a sacrifice. They remembered that God passed over them and showed them mercy in their hour of need. And then Jesus goes on to show them that, in fact, he is an even greater, more perfect Passover lamb. That he will die once for all the righteous, for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. And so verse 19 and 20 from our passage last week uh, should be on your page in front of you. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so now we are in the final hours of Jesus' life. He will leave Jerusalem. Uh, he will walk out of the city gates. And he'll walk about four kilometers across a valley to what is the base of the Mount of Olives, just a little bit outside of the city. And you can imagine it would have been a clear, cool, desert night. And he would have been walking along with his disciples in tow. It was quite a contrast to all the bustle and the busyness of what would have been happening in the city of Jerusalem. And he has done this walk often over the last couple of days. But you can imagine that would have been eerily quiet as he walks along knowing that this will be the last time that he makes this journey, knowing what is about to come. And it's a contrast, isn't it, to what uh, was happening a couple of days earlier when he came into Jerusalem, a week earlier when the crowds are around him shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And now it's night, it's quiet, as he journeys out with his disciples. And as he comes to this garden, he tells his disciples to pray. And then a little bit later, uh, because they've fallen asleep, uh, emotionally exhausted from the events of the evening and the last couple of days, he then comes back to them again and says, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us here what this temptation is. But we get some insight from what is about to happen. We get to flick ahead and read the rest of the story. Because we know in the next couple of hours that Jesus will be arrested, that he will be humiliated, that he will be beaten and ultimately crucified. And the temptation for the disciples will be in this moment of crisis to give up. You know, with the overwhelming pressure of what is around them and perhaps even the feeling of imminent death if they are faithful, the temptation will be to give up. But we also get some insight from what Jesus has said to them over the last couple of days. So a few days earlier, they were standing in front of the temple and the disciples were standing there admiring it for its beauty and its majesty. 
And as they're standing there, Jesus says to them, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. And then he goes on to warn them, Do not become complacent. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And so on one hand, on one side, there's the temptation to give up to the pressure around them, to flee the imminent persecution they feel they are about to experience. And on the other, to give in to complacency. And really, they're kind of our temptations, aren't they? You know, as we stand as Christians in what can feel like a very hostile world at times, the temptation is to think, well, maybe the crowd just know better. And who wants to feel on the outside? We all want to feel on the inside. We want to feel part of our community. We want to feel like everyone else. And so when we feel the pressure to conform, when we're perhaps ridiculed for following Jesus... Or perhaps when we just get complacent and get so caught up in the pleasures of life. Jesus' word here is, don't give up. Don't lose sight of who you are. Instead, pray. And God answers those prayers according to his will. Not always according to how we expect or how we would like him to answer them but according to his will. Because a few hours later, Peter will be sitting around a fire in the courtyard at the home of the high priest. And a servant girl will come up to him and will say, this man was with him. And Peter will say, woman, I do not know him. And then a little bit later on, someone else will come up and say, you also are one of them. And Peter will deny Jesus a second time. And then about an hour later, plenty of time to think, another man will come up to Jesus, I mean up to Peter, and he will say, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter will say, with absolute and complete conviction, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And in that moment, a rooster will crow and Peter will look across the courtyard straight into the eyes of Jesus who he's just denied. And of course, even this was part of God's plan and knowledge. A little bit earlier in the chapter when they were sitting around that Passover meal, this is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen 
your brothers. In those days when you were sifting wheat, you've got the, the kernel, which is the, the good bit, uh, and you've got the chaff, which is the, the rubbish. Uh, and so to, to separate the two, they, they'd get the, the wheat and they'd tread it under the foot of, of ox you know, to break it all up. And then they'd throw it up in the air and, and the breeze would blow away the chaff and it would leave the kernel of wheat. So Satan is saying, give me your disciples. But of course, Jesus is in control. Jesus has power. Jesus refuse, refuses, thankfully. You know, so often in life we think that our life is all about us being in control. And certainly that's true from our perspective, isn't it? You got up this morning, you chose what you wanted for breakfast, uh, you chose, you know, to have tea or coffee. You know, all of those things feel like your choices. Uh, When you became a Christian, uh, perhaps you you read the Bible for yourself, you heard some sermons, uh, you made a choice. It was in your control. From your perspective, all of that is true. But from God's perspective... He is always in control. He is the one that opens eyes. He is the one that convicts our hearts. And yet at the same time, as we see God's sovereignty in this passage, we also see personal responsibility. You know, Peter made choices. Peter chose to give in to temptation. And it would be really convenient if God in his word said, look, this is exactly how it all fits together nice and neatly. That would be great. And if he could explain dark matter at the same time, also really helpful. But he doesn't do that. Uh, We we have these two realities sitting in scripture, uh, that God is sovereign, God is in control. And at the same time, we have personal responsibility. And so in this moment... Peter's courage will fail and he will give in to temptation. But even then, there is hope because Jesus offers forgiveness and restoration. So if you're in a place of feeling that you are beyond forgiving, uh, you know your life infinitely more than any of us here, and you go, God could never forgive me. You just don't understand what I think and what I've done. Then take some hope from Peter. Peter didn't just ignore God. Peter actively turned his back on Jesus when he was right in front of him. And yet God is compassionate, God is merciful, and he and Jesus forgives. And so Jesus will go from that courtyard to be crucified for what Peter has just done. And Jesus will go to that cross for your failure and for mine. But at this stage, we're getting ahead of ourselves in the story. So we need to go back to the Mount of Olives. We need to go back to the disciples praying and then head forward again because Jesus then leaves his disciples and goes and prays for himself. And he goes and he kneels, and it's a posture of complete submission. He says to his father, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
It's amazing how much can be communicated in so few words. Now, Jesus knows his role in his father's plan. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And he knows that saving is going to involve sacrifice. But knowing something must happen, even knowing that at the end it will end well, doesn't make the moment any easier. And this is a complete unique moment in history. So for the first time in Jesus' entire existence, from the beginning of all things, for the first time he will be physically beaten, abused, crucified. Emotionally, he will be abandoned by those, thing, those people who he trusted the most. And spiritually, he will experience the just wrath of his father as he stands in our place and pays the price for our sin. So his father doesn't abandon him but nor does he take this cup from him. And in this overwhelming moment of anguish, Jesus says, yet not my will, but your will be done. This is the path, this is the plan that the Father has chosen to restore all of humanity, a life for a life, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. And Jesus submits to the will of his Father. And in this passage, we just get a a glimpse of the nature of God. So God is three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And there's an order of things in creation. So each person of God has a role to play. And so it's a bit like me in my family. As as the, the father, as the husband in our family, my job with my children, is to lead my children in godliness. My job is to protect them and to provide for them. Their job, on the other hand, is to vex me. (laughs) And and they're incredibly accomplished. (laughs) They're so gifted, I'm so proud. (laughs) But we all have different roles to play in our family, don't we? Uh, The father... His role is he leads the Trinity. He leads the Son and the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus uh, talks about signs of him coming again, uh, the writer Mark recalls this. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. The Father has unique knowledge. He is a, in one sense, unique person and yet part of One God. And at the same time, it's the Son who will implement the Father's will. And we see the weight of that obedience in what's happening now. And then there's the Spirit sent by the Father to convict people of what Jesus has said, to be a guarantee of our inheritance, and to shape us and mould us to be more like Christ. So each person of the Trinity is unique, but collectively they are one. And there is order and there is self-chosen submission with each working in perfect unity, united for a single purpose. And in this moment of anguish, 
as Jesus submits to the will of his father, the father sends an angel to comfort him. Jesus could do this alone. He certainly has the power to do it alone. But we can relate, can't we? You know, whatever situation you are in, we love comfort. It doesn't matter whether we, we can do it by ourselves. It's so much better, it's so much easier, particularly when we're confronted with something that's difficult, when we have company and we have support. And it's great to know that even in our loneliest moments, those moments where we feel most abandoned, God is with us, strengthening us in the midst of weakness. About uh, 16 years ago, uh, I was lying in emergency at Bankstown Hospital and uh, I had a, a ruptured artery uh, in my sinus. Uh, I'd had a, a surgery a week before, which basically means I had the mother of all nosebleeds. And uh, so Sarah's at home uh, with Lucy, who was about six months at the time, and I'm, I'm sort of propped up on this bed, and uh, there's, there's just blood everywhere, uh, which, you know, on a white hospital bed just looks all the more dramatic, you know, for the experience. And uh, as, I, as I'm sitting there, I've got a blood transfusion going in each arm, uh, trying to sort of compensate for, for the amount of, of blood I'm losing. And uh, they just couldn't stop it. Uh, they had these balloon things that they were trying to prop up there. You know, they, anyway, it was, it was ugly. Um, uh, we don't want people leaving. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, you know, not, not a happy place. Uh, but as I'm sitting there, uh, you know, uh, in this situation, I think, you know what? I could end up being one of those preventable deaths that you know, people talk about that, that happen in hospitals. You know, I could end up being one of those statistics. But also going around in my head, uh, so this was Saturday morning at 2am, we had youth group or, or kids club uh, that afternoon, and there was this song going over and over in my head that was from Proverbs 3. Uh, I'm not going to sing it because no one deserves that. Uh, <laughs> But it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And for everything that was going on in that moment, I was so thankful for the peace of God. You know, I had no idea what was going to happen next. I certainly didn't believe that God was promising any guarantee that this would end well uh, or that I would recover from this. Uh, I genuinely thought that there was a chance that I could just end up bleeding out uh, or getting to a point where you you just can't get enough oxygen to your brain. Uh, That's the problem with having doctor parents. You have just enough knowledge to freak yourself out. Um, Google is just as good if if you need that. Uh, But but there there was this comfort. That whatever happens next, uh, I am certain of my future. If I die tonight or this morning, uh, then I know that because of God's grace to me, that I can be confident that I will be with him. And I was comforted by the fact that even though it would be difficult for Sarah and Lucy, that in the same way that God gave me his comfort in that moment and his strength, that he would also comfort and strengthen them. And that's precious, isn't it? That God does not abandon us in those moments. He doesn't necessarily relieve us from them. We know that, we've experienced that. 
but he is with us in them. If you want to know the end of the story, I didn't die. (laughs) I'm thankful for that. Uh, Today, I'm I'm actually not going to continue into the rest of the passage. We only just looked at a a few of the verses. Uh, I wanted to read the whole thing because I wanted to capture the bigness. And and we'll capture some of that uh, as we come into Easter over uh, the next week. Uh, But in this particular passage, what did Luke want us to hear? Why did he record it this way for us? What's he trying to say? I think there's three things. Firstly, he wants us to feel the weight of what Jesus is doing for our sake. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We can all become incredibly complacent about sin, can't we? Yeah, we know it's not good. We just don't think it's that bad. But when we look at Jesus in this situation as he prays to his Father, we need to feel the weight of our sin. We need to recognise that what we do, what we love, how we love, all of those things have a consequence in both the present and for eternity. And if you're one of those people who perhaps feel completely unlovable, then also recognise the weight of what Jesus is doing. That he is going through this for your sake. Secondly, Luke recalls these events because he wants us to know that Jesus is faithful to his Father. He is truly worthy to be our perfect sacrifice. And we see that in this moment as he submits to his Father's will. And thirdly, he gives us an example. What should we do when we're tempted to abandon our Lord and Saviour? The answer is pray. Pray for strength to stand in the midst of temptation and persecution and doubt. What should we do when we feel abandoned? When we cannot possibly see any good that could come out of this situation? And all we are left with is wondering, where is God now? And what does Jesus say we should do? Pray. Pray that God strengthens our hearts. Pray that God gives us his comfort and confidence that even amongst all of this brokenness, that there is hope, perhaps not in this life, Perhaps on that that evening I could have passed away. But my situation was not hopeless. We have hope. So pray that our conviction will help us to recognise that we're actually not in control, to give up that illusion that our life is all within our strength and control and to hand it over to God recognising that he is in control, that he loves us, And so we can say with confidence, yet not my will, but your will be done. Let me pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for your word. And uh, this morning, as we feel the anguish of what Jesus was preparing to do, 
uh, help us to recognize uh, just how much we are loved by you. Uh, that you would love us enough to send your son Jesus to die for us. And Lord, I I pray that we will have confidence and that conviction that we trust you in all things and we recognize that you are in control. And so, Lord, help us to pray. Your will be done. Amen.